Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate His love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoy today's message. See you, Martin. When's the last time I saw you? I'm all the better for, for seeing you today. All the better for seeing you today. Now, it's uh, great to see you, whether you are first time here in the flesh. And, uh, in the flesh. I, I put that on Facebook this week. You know, I've always heard that doing church in the flesh was a bad thing, but I'm all for it now. In the flesh, church is way better. Uh, no, I'm glad that you're here in person. Okay, in person. It's great to see if you're visiting or if you're new to the area or uh, you uh, have not been around the last few weeks or few months, today we have a fresh start. In fact, we can say that every single morning on the basis that His mercies are fresh every day. In fact, you could probably just say God's mercy and grace comes fresh to us as often as you choose to acknowledge it. You wake up and say God's grace is fresh today. Something bad happens and you say... God's grace is fresh right now. You get home from work and you say, God's grace is fresh to me right now. God's mercies are new. It's not that He runs out of them, but he's, 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 He doesn't run out of them. And it's not that His mercy uh, yesterday was incomplete. God's mercy and grace is constant. It's like an ever-flowing stream ready for us to draw from at any moment. And so today we say it is a fresh start. This moment we say it is a fresh start for us. And I think that's a great way to walk into a new week and to walk into a new month. But especially today I want to announce that over us as a church as much as I can to say we have a fresh start today. It is the 2nd of August 2020 and having been shut down and having shutting people out for 19 weeks, today is week number 20 since this all shut down and shut outs happened to us. It is weekend number 20. Our last normal pre-COVID pandemic service here was back in mid-March. You might remember, those of you who were here, that uh, this couple were with us, Steve and Ilona Potter. It was that far ago uh, were here with us. Uh, the reason, one of the reasons that they were speaking that day, uh, good friends of ours, I'll be back again I'm sure some point in the future, was because I was ministering in New Zealand that weekend in mid-March, I got in the car after a couple of after a weekend conference, and Catherine Renala was with me, who's uh, based up in Queensland, and we were there speaking together with our friends in Christchurch. And I got in the car on the way to the Sunday night service, and my pastor friends told me, "Your prime minister just made an announcement. As of midnight tonight, you are not allowed back in Australia without quarantining." And so the uh, the next day, I flew out. It was too late for me to change my flights and. That coming Sunday, we had a split service. Our worship team was here doing an in-house broadcast and I was in a holiday home uh, somewhere 
uh, in an undisclosed location uh, and came and attempted to preach. And it looks something like this, if you, if, if you remember. Yeah, so there was something wrong with the technology. I'm so glad we didn't go public straight away. And so our, our services kind of looked like that uh, for the first week. That was, that was mid-March. And we, uh, over the course of March and, and early April, we broadcast from a number of locations. Matt, uh, no, Ellie and Mal at one point had to meet in the garden uh, a metre and a half apart and they pre-recorded some worship times there. Meanwhile, I came on my camera and I was at home preaching from our pergola. And uh, so this was all done in-house kind of last minute as we came to terms with the fact that we're not exactly sure what was going to happen until the Easter weekend where uh, our Prime Minister issued us a little bit of a reprieve and allowed uh, a group to gather in a church building to perform <coughs> the Easter ceremony, so to speak. And so for that day, we for the first time broadcast our Easter Sunday morning live uh, to the public. We called it our Sneak Peek Sunday, a great opportunity for people who'd never venture through the four walls, as it were, to have a sneak peek through the curtain to see what church was like. And that was our first Sunday that we went and broadcast live. But after seeing how that day went, we thought, mm, we're not quite ready to go public yet. And so for a few weeks, we still kept our in-house broadcast uh, through uh, the rest of um, April. We came to terms with the fact that broadcasting on Facebook was probably going to be more of a long-term thing than what we were hoping. It was also in mid-April that sadly we lost two of our uh, well-loved church members, both Margaret Jels first and then obviously followed by Glennis, as we know. Many of you were at her uh, non-gathering gathering points around the roads where we bid her farewell. By early May, two months in, our Sunday services were now live and in full and broadcast public. Three months in, in mid-June, we started taking bookings to welcome some of you back, 75 at a time, and uh, had communion with you after the meeting. That's three months in. Four months in was July, and while the government allowed our allowance to effectively double to 127 people in this auditorium, we decided to take it easy over July and over the winter school holidays so that now, in the fifth month, on the 20th week, we start a new month in August and we can say it is a fresh start for us as a church family. And it is a privilege, as we did last week, to publicly say we welcome uh, those who do not yet consider Bayside their home to, to come and visit us. We've always been known uh, as a church that regularly has visitors and first-timers, people who've never been to church before, uh, people who uh, may occasionally pop in and even people who are all part of our extended family that just call Victor Harbour their, and Bayside their second home come. And so while we've had to do what we've had to do in the last few months, it's also been painful to say, please stay away. And while we don't know exactly what the future of our state holds, certainly we hope to, and we trust that we do not uh, have extra restrictions put on us, as we're seeing witness uh, across the eastern border uh, at the moment. The point is, in our attitude, in our spirit, in our heart, in our mindset, we say it is a fresh start, there's a line in the sand, and we get to choose our attitude. Okay, public policy, thank God, politicians do not determine my attitude. Yes, and we saw that in Philippians in the series when Paul's writing in prison 
the, the authorities of the time had him locked up for two years and he writes the happiest letter he'd written in his life where he said, I rejoice, I rejoice, I rejoice, I rejoice. And we took a risk last week and spent 15 minutes reading the whole letter of Philippians from start to finish so we could see the theme of that thread all the way through that letter to say, no matter what happens, conduct yourself worthy. Whatever happens to me, I'm hopeful I'll return, but just if I don't, know that I rejoice with you. I long to be with you, but I might not. You never really know what's happening. So whatever happens, conduct yourself as a citizen of heaven, because our attitude is not determined by what happens here on earth. We choose joy despite the situation. And so no matter what might happen here, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight weeks, we say, it's a fresh start for me. I draw on God's grace today, and I choose joy. And as we got into chapter three, we noticed Paul saying, listen, I'm pressing on. I haven't got everything that I know God has in store for me, but I'm pressing on towards the prize. And he said, that is how mature people think. Mature Christians are those who go, I'm pressing on. I'm moving forward. My eyes are up. My eyes are forward. I'm, I'm forgetting what is behind, he said, and straining towards what is ahead. He said, that's what maturity looks like. He said, those of us who mature think that way. And if you're not quite there yet, well, hopefully in good time you will be. <laughs> he said, but that's a mature attitude. A mature Christian attitude is not, ah, oh, being there, done that. Well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, look, in a lot of life, we'll see what happens because it's out of our control, but I'll see what happens when it comes to my internal world. I'll see what happens when it comes to what God does through me and the attitudes that I choose. I thought this morning it occurred to me, sometimes a mood you can't help. You can't help what mood you wake up on so, in, in sometimes. Hello? This morning I woke up angry. Actually, she woke me up. That's actually what happened. That's exactly what happened. But we can't determine, we can't determine our mood. But it's a little bit like rock, paper, scissors. Attitude trumps mood. And if mood gives you something that's, if you just wake up with a bit of a cutting, cutting attitude, one you're just feeling like you're a bit sharp and a bit short with people, then choose rock, man, and just smash that thing. If you wake up feeling a bit flat, okay, and you're like paper, you just, okay, you're just a bit flat. If that's your mood, well, get onto scissors, man, and just choose to cut that thing up, all right? Choose your attitude. If you wake up a bit stony, a bit cold, a bit whatever, just chill out, man. Choose your attitude. Mood comes, but your attitude is your attitude. And we get to choose joy no matter what the circumstances. That was the message for winter. And to that, everybody said something. Anyway, there's an eight-week summary. You don't have to listen to it now. But today, I'm shifting gears a little bit, and I, again, want to do what I did last weekend, and I want to read a slab of Scripture, not necessarily to you, but today I want to read some Scripture over you. Book of Revelation, here we go. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I want to read some Scripture <laughs> over you. Today is our 20th week, week number 20, and for the year 2020, I want to declare and have an examination today of Psalm 20. Allow me to read this over you, and then we'll have a look at some observations as we look at it again. Psalm 20, a Psalm of David. In times of trouble, may the Lord answer your cry. May the name of the God of Jacob keep you safe from all harm. May he send you help from his sanctuary and may he strengthen you from Jerusalem. May he remember all your gifts 
And may he look favorably on all your burnt offerings. May he grant you your heart's desires and may all of your plans succeed. May we shout for joy when we hear of your victory and raise a victory banner in the name of our God. May the Lord answer all your prayers. Now I know that the Lord rescues his anointed king. He will answer him from his holy heaven and he will rescue him by his great power. Some nations boast of their chariots and horses, but we boast in the name of Yahweh, the Lord, our God. Those nations will fall down and collapse, but we will rise up and stand firm. Give victory to our King, O Lord. Answer our cry for help. Psalm 20, week 20, 2020, your memory verse for the day. That psalm's actually one of my favourites. And if you look at the notes when you first read it in your Bible, it probably has a title on it, which is actually part of the psalm. I didn't read it, but it is part of the psalm. And it starts by saying this, for the director of music, a psalm of David. See, a psalm is simply another way of saying a song. In fact, in the Hebrew Bible, whatever the Hebrew word is, I can't remember, I'm not, don't really care about impressing you, pretending I know Hebrew, but the word for the book of Psalms means praises. It's the book of praises. It's 150 praise songs divided up into five different books, okay, for ease of carrying. Uh, the first 20-something, uh, mostly written by David, this is known as a Psalm of David, and it's written to the choir, ma- ma- master, choir master, okay? So effectively what we're seeing here is the choir master being given lyrics of a poem and saying, now you do something with this, mate. Put this to song so the people can sing it. This song is a congregational song. In the temple, this would have gone up on their data projector as they sung together as a congregation. Now, when it says it is a psalm of David, there's two possible meanings of that. And theologians are divided about it, doesn't really make a huge difference. But it could either mean it was written by David, explicitly, or it's just a psalm concerning David. Oh, this is a psalm of David, meaning it's a psalm about him. See, what this psalm is, is it's a congregation singing these words of blessing over their king. If David wrote it, it's basically his way of giving his people a personal prayer request. Okay? He wrote this psalm. May the Lord bless you, may the Lord make you succeed, may you get over your enemies, may you blah, blah, blah. And then he said, okay, people, please sing this over me. I need your prayer support. Please sing this over the king. So it could be that. It could literally be David asking for these words to be sung over him. Or it's just the, someone else created it for the congregation to sing over David. So that is actually what's happening here in this psalm. Fascinatingly, in the, in the 1800s, archaeologists found a papyrus, papyrus, okay? And uh, you can Google this if you're really keen. It's called the uh, Papyrus Armurst 63. <laughs> awesome. Anyway, point is... It contains an almost identical psalm, phrase by phrase, written in Aramaic, but in Egyptian writing. 
Okay. And basically, where it says, praise or may Yahweh deliver you, the God of Jacob, it changes it to the name of an Egyptian God. Okay, so it's actually, if, 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 one of the theories is, for Egyptian worship of their God, and one of the running theories is <laughs> that there was this ancient Egyptian religious community that took this psalm, that realised how powerful it was and effective it was for Israel's King David, and they're like, well, we better rip that off. We're going to use that psalm, just change the name, the God's name, make it our God, okay? But we're going to use this psalm. That is how powerful these words were. That's at least one of the running theories. You can do your own research on that. And it's no coincidence that the very next psalm, which happens to be Psalm number 20... Oh, it's amazing how that works, okay? So Psalm 21. <laughs> psalm 21 is actually David's response to these pronouncements being answered. So it's like Psalm 20 is us praying to our politician, us praying over the Prime Minister, us declaring over our uh, local mayor, us praying over our pastor, us praying over our family, us praying over our boss at work, us praying over our prime, uh, principal at school. We're announcing God and pronouncing God's blessing over someone in a leadership capacity to us. And Psalm 21 is then we're saying, guess what? Everything you said came true. And this is my thanksgiving in response. So this is a really powerful uh, double whammy here in Psalm 20 and 21. I want to read it again. And as we do now, with that understanding, you imagine a congregation singing this over King David. These are the words that they sung. I'll use the NIV this time just for a little bit of variety. Psalm 20. For the director of music, a psalm of David. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. Can you see us singing this right now to our Prime Minister? ScoMo, Mr. Mr. Prime Minister, may the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary, grant you support from Zion. May he remember your sacrifices, accept your burnt offerings. May he give you the desires of your heart. May he make all your plans succeed. May we shout for joy over victory and lift up our banners in the name of God as he grants all your requests. This is the song that they would sing over their king. A couple of minor observations before I get to the one thought today that I just want to land on. Not a typical Chad three-point message today, okay? Make a couple of observations, but there's one thing I want you to take away before we then put this, uh, put this message into practice this morning. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. First one. Nobody is immune from experiencing times of suffering, pain, anguish, distress. Nobody is immune. King or peasant? Single or married? Employed or other? No matter who you are, there is a universal language and it's the universal language of suffering of understanding that experiencing distress is common to every man, woman, child, etc., regardless of ethnicity, skin colour, socioeconomic class, 
regardless of country, regardless of continent or time, suffering and distress, nobody is immune. And he says here, in your distress, King David, may the God of Jacob answer you. The God of Jacob. And when you read the Bible, as I've told you many times, what you're supposed to do is imagine the Bible full of hyperlinks. So when you read this psalm and you look at that verse and you go, the God of Jacob answer you in distress. What you're meant to do is think and you go, why did he choose the God of Jacob? Why didn't he say the God of Noah? Or the God of Israel, the nation of God. Why didn't he say the God of Moses? Why did he say the God of Jacob? How is that linked to distress? And it's interesting. You then go back and you read the story of Jacob, okay, the man Jacob, and you say, where was he in distress? And you read about that in chapter 32 and 35, and for him, the distress that he was in was a relational distress. He was freaking out about meeting his big brother because years earlier, he'd done the dirty on Esau. He'd ripped him off and he'd run away. And then God had called him back and said, go back to your father's land. Go back to where I'd spoken to you. And as he's going back to meet Esau, he begins, it says he was in great fear and distress. He didn't know how this was going to go down. How many of you have ever had a relational moment where you just didn't know how it was going to play out? He was in great distress and it was there that the whole thing went well and Jacob himself uses these very words. It's basically a quote where he said, the God who, who meets me in my distress has answered me. The God who meets me in my distress. This is a quote from Jacob. Now, how many of you know David went through a lot of relational distress in his life? How many of you know that relational distress is some of the most painful Many of us, if not all of us, have been through financial distress. Many of us, if not all of us, have been through health distress. Many of us, if not all of us, have had uncertainties in regard to housing, employment, things like we were praying about before. But there's nothing like the pain of a lost or broken or hurting relationship that really tears us apart. And that is the context in which they, in which they say, when that distress is on you, the God who did it for Jacob will do it for you. It's exactly what we demonstrated here this morning. We got a house. We got a house. Hang on. God did it for them. He can do it for others. Jacob, God met Jacob in a time of emotional, relational distress. And so these people say over David, God can do it again for you, mate. He can do it again for you. That same God will look after you. Genesis uh, verse 2, he says, may he answer you from his sanctuary. God's answers are supernatural. Verse 3, he says, uh, may he remember your sacrifices. That's basically the psalmist's way of saying, may God be faithful to his covenant to you. You've, you've, you've kept up your end of the agreement of your covenant by lifting up worship to him. Well, may God keep his end of the bargain, which is blessing you in return. Different context for us, different covenant, but still that principle is there. May he give you the desire of your heart and make your plan succeed. This tells us that God is concerned about your desires and your plans. They matter to God. May he make those succeed. And verse 5 says, we will shout over you with victory. 
This is their way of saying, when you succeed, I succeed. When it goes well for you, it goes well for me. Because no man is an island and we're in this thing together. They're just some of those verse-by-verse observations. But this is the one thing I want you to take home today. May the Lord bless you, protect you. May the Lord answer you. May the Lord hear you. May the Lord send help to you. This term, may the Lord, is not a term of may the Lord. It's not a term of may the Lord, may the Lord not. It's not a wishful thinking phrase. It's not may he, may he not. You know, like a pedal. May he bless me, may he bless me not. May he bless me, may he bless me not. Oh, what am I going to get today, you know? It's not that may he. No, 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 it's may he. It's an assertive statement. And we know, I've told you before, there's different types of Bibles and some, when, when you translate the Bible, okay? And some of them translate the meaning, the, the sort of the vibe into a modern language. And some of them go, no, 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 we're going to try to stick word for word, Okay. King James is one of them, generally. It tries to say word for word, and the word may is not there. Most translations put in the word may because what it actually says is just simply this. It's just straightforward. The Lord hear you. The Lord defend you. The Lord strengthen you. The Lord remember you. The Lord accept you. The Lord grant you. (laughs) The Lord fulfill. The Lord fulfill. This is how it is said. Okay, now that sounds a little bossy in modern English. How dare you boss God around? And so a lot of Bibles sort of soften it a bit and and not, the Lord bless you, like he has to because I said, okay. It's like, may the Lord bless you. Comes on with a gentler thing. But that's lens, don't read it like, may he, may he not. It's not how it is. It's an assertive statement. The Lord bless you. The Lord protect you. These are words that come with authority. These are assertions made with total conviction. This will happen. This is what God will do. This May God do this for you. That is the strong takeaway from this wording. And this is what we see when we read what we sung this morning, and we'll do again in a moment, when we read in the book of Numbers what's become known as the Aaronic Blessing, the blessing of Aaron. We read about this in the book of Numbers. Moses has pitched his tent. He's got Aaron and all his crew there, okay, his, his family. And they are the priests of that community. And he says, you, you have one of the many jobs that you have is that you are to announce blessing over the congregation. You are to announce blessing over people. And it goes something like this. Numbers 6.22. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons saying this, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel you shall say to them the Lord bless you come on say bless you remember if you sneeze do it like this okay the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace end quote so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. When he started giving the instruction, he says, listen, you open your mouth and you bless them. Say this, say this, say this, say this, say this, and I will bless them. 
you bless them, I will bless them. May the Lord bless you. The power of the words of the priest. Now, do I need to ask for a show of hands today from a mature Christian community and ask you how many of you here are priests today? How many of you are priests? Okay, do you, does your heritage come from Aaron? Can you prove your ironic ethnic history? No, but you are a priest of God Most High because every believer in the New Testament is a nation of priests. That is who we are. We are all those who are able to access God's presence and we are able to operate in God's presence to bring His kingdom to earth and to bring His ministering power to the lives of other people. And one of the ways we do that is with our words. One of the ways we do that is with the power of our words. The book of Proverbs says that life and death are in the power of the... Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And our tongue has two main functions. It helps us swallow and it helps us speak. And that is what words are for. We determine which words we swallow. Jesus, 40 days of temptation, the enemy comes to him. Did God say? Did God say? You should do this. Throw yourself down. Throw your, throw your, do this. Make this stone and turn it into bread. And Jesus heard those words and he tasted them and spat them out. I'm not accepting those words. Because God says, the scripture says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. He tasted, he discerned, and he did not swallow. He did exactly the opposite and redeemed that which Adam did when the serpent came to him. said, once you touch, this isn't going to happen. She'll be right, mate. It'll all be fine. Eve tasted and swallowed. Jesus tasted, spat out. I'm going to have nothing to do with your words. Your tongue, you are in control of the words you swallow and you take on. You're also in control of the words we speak. The life and death are in the power of the tongue. And our words can help people or they can harm people. Our words can bless and build people or our words can break people. And this is a great example in Psalm 20 and the ironic blessing of the authority we have as those who are created in God's image, being about our Father's business. God created by speaking, Genesis 1. The Lord said, the Lord said, the Lord said, and as sons and daughters in His image, let's remind ourselves of the power and the strength that is in our words. May the people of God say, Amen. Amen. Some of you in your Bibles, between verse 3 and 4 there, there's a little word that says sailor. Did you read that? I think I read that out. It wasn't on the screen, but the word sailor. And that's a musical term. And it basically, they think, means instrumental. It's the part in the song where you sing the first three verses and then you just have an instrumental and you think about what you've just sung. Swirly worship, just having an instrumental and reflecting on what you've sung is not a Pentecostal thing. It's a psalm thing. David said, may the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Lifting hands in worship is not a Pentecostal thing. It's a psalm thing. So I bow down before my God towards the holy city. Bowing down is not a Catholic thing. It's a psalm thing. Clapping hands, rejoicing, celebrating is not a church tradition thing. 
These are psalm things. And one of the things we love to do in our worship is have those sailor reflecting moments to be aware of the power of the words that we have just spoken. That's one of the reasons for it. It's not just for experiencing God in those words. That, so that, that would be for me, number one, you, you sailor, you think you're experiencing God in those words, but you're also pondering the power of the words that we speak because way too often we don't, do not consider the wonderful strength that our words actually have. And so he continues. Verse 6, the psalm now shifts from saying, we, 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 to saying, I. It's possible this is now David saying something in response. Let's read verse 6. Now this I know. The Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. This I know. This is where a corporate psalm has just got really personal. Where we're not just singing words on a screen that someone else has written for us, but we, we say, this I know. I know this is true. Not just y'all, we, I know this is true. This is my conviction. Someone once said, Christians don't tell lies, they just sing them. Because they not think about the words that they're singing sometimes. Let's not become complacent with the words we're singing, but be aware, I sing with conviction. I believe this. It's not just because Darlene Check or Elevation told me it was true. I no. Verse 7, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Quick question, did David and his army have chariots and horses? Hello? Yes, they had chariots and horses, but they said our trust is not in them. We use them, but that's not our trust. Remember we spoke last week about Paul when he's in being content in every situation? Why? Because he had one source, many streams. And those streams may come and go and have different names on them, but ultimately, I have one source. And so David had no problem with using chariots and horses. They're great. It's a stream. It's a tool in God's hand, but ultimately, it's God that we trust, not the stream. And some of us need to, again, remind ourselves of that. Lord, when that stream dries up, when I don't have that tool at my disposal, when I don't have that job, when I don't have that house, when I don't have that certainty, I know that my certainty is in you. Ultimately, many streams, but one source, our trust, is in the name of the Lord their God. Verse 8, they are brought to their knees and fall, those who trust in these things, but we rise up and stand firm. Rising up presumes that they were down. Remember this psalm begins by saying, when you are in distress, from the time of being in distress to rising up, we see words of faith and trust in God and we will stand firm. Lord, give victory to the King, answer us when we call because while our mood may have us down in the morning our attitude practiced through the words and the songs that we sing offering praise to god declaring god's goodness out of our mouths well no matter what our mood is we choose our attitude and our attitude can smash that mood and bring us up that we would stand firm and so here in Psalm 20, we see the pronouncement over David. And in the very next psalm, we see David's response to how those pronouncements worked out in his life. Do you want to know how it worked out? Do you want to see? I'll tell you, Jay. I'll tell you how, how it worked out. 
This was apparently so powerful that Egyptians used it in their worship. So let's see how it works for David. Why don't the musicians come, help me to finish, and then help us get the results that David got. Psalm 21, he says this, The king rejoices in your strength, O Lord. How great is his joy in the victories you give. You have granted him his heart's desire. What did they ask in Psalm 20? What did they say? May the Lord give you the desires of your heart. What does he say now in this psalm? God has done that. He has granted me his heart, my heart's desire and have not withheld the requests of his lips. It's exactly what they prayed over him in the 20th Psalm. You came to greet him with rich blessings and placed a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked you for life and you gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. Through the victories you gave, his glory is great. You've bestowed on him splendor and majesty. Surely you have granted him unending blessings and made him glad with the joy of his circumstances. You really are quiet today, even in my heresy, even my changing of scripture. I'm expecting a stone or a tomato or something. Surely you have granted him. This is David saying it of himself. You have granted me unending blessings. Folks, let us never forget that in the gospel, our blessings that God has given us in Christ are not just for this life. They are unending, 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 unending. Because we always, no matter what is going on in our world, time, space, world, we always have eternity to rejoice. You have given me unending blessings. You have made me glad with the joy of your presence. For I, the King, trust in the Lord. Through the unfailing love of the Most High, He will be my strength. Psalm 20, they pronounced over David, May God be your strength. In this psalm, he says, Yes, He is. Yes, He is. I trust in the Lord. Through His unfailing love, I will not be shaken. I wonder if there's more than just a coincidence that 2020 has been a bit of a time where distress is fairly common and whether God is wanting to make us be sure that we do not grow complacent in this season but we are proactive with our words announcing blessings we see leaders specifically but anyone around us in times of distress where we say no matter what the mood, my attitude will trumpet. And I will trumpet, literally, I will trump my attitude and speak words of life. So I sow good seeds now because the time is coming, 21, where we will look back and we will go, exactly. As thank God we spoke those words then because look at the fruit we're enjoying now. I'd love for us to sing and to really genuinely declare these words from Aaron and maybe other words to come. Maybe we should trust God as we sing this ironic blessing, that we sing it over our families, 
we sing it over your school principal, your boss, your community, our PM, our state premier. I asked for a show of hands six months ago. How many of you know our state premier's name? Probably have five people in the room who would know Stephen Marshall. Now we all know Stephen well. Let's make sure we declare God's blessing over him and those who are called to lead us. Can we do that this morning and not just sing words that we don't truly believe in, but with great conviction speak these words from a place of authority as our Father's sons and as priests of God Most High. Let's do that. And then what we want to do is we just want to trust that God will, will grant spontaneous songs that we can adjust the words and trust God to give us words over people and over circumstances this morning. All right? If you are a priest of God Most High today, why don't you stand and let's pronounce these words and sing this together. Can we do that?
beginning of time, Lord. You're in every moment, Lord. Oh, we trust you're in every moment, Lord. Oh. We step into every moment with courage, Lord. We know you're with us. You said, do not worry. Do not want for anything, Lord. Oh, we trust you, Lord. Oh, we trust you, Lord. Oh, you're in every moment, Lord. Amen. Amen. find peace and safety may he grant you a home of safety and may he give you peace i declare that over you guys and we all say May the Lord bless you, Scott. May he give you wisdom as you lead this nation and cabinet. May you draw on his strength. May you see things that others cannot. You're the man for this job. And we say, ah, ah. to the Flurio this morning. May the name of the God of Jacob be greater than the name recession. It will not harm you for every business and every household. We declare your grace, your grace, your grace as we sing Amen. We sing Amen. Amen. Come on, sing over the flurio today.
I hope you've enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au. And of course, if you're ever in the area, please pop in and say good day.